war of words. And today I want to preach about idle words, which by its very title makes me preach short. Because <clears throat> I don't want to get off on tangents. <clears throat> I think we need to be careful what we say. Come on now, hallelujah. We talked last week about how what you say and the things that have been said over you. As Paul said to Timothy, you need to use those as weapons when the enemy comes in. When it's time to see God just do something great, amen, it's, then, it's, then it's time to use the words. And, and, but even more importantly, I think someone after church told me, he says, Pastor, you're trying to get us excited about the word. And my response is, duh. I'm not, I'm not so sure that we really understand or believe that it really does work when you believe it. So what, my question is, what use are weapons that are never used? What use are weapons that don't work? What use are weapons that are just hung on a wall? I, I know people that are gun collectors, never shoot the thing. But they, they'll take you in a room and show you all the guns on the wall. Or ancient weapons, or knives, or some other thing. And they collect it, but they really have no intention of actually using them. They're just really thrilled about them. I, I guess it's interesting but it's totally, totally ineffective to collect things that you have no use of using. Jesus, help us. Same thing about prophecies that are spoken over you. Same things about the word that you read in your Bibles. Wow. I'm, I'm afraid too many people actually, I don't know, they... There's just some people that collect prophecies. Oh, I've had all kinds of prophecies. Some people use them for show. Oh, you should hear what God said about me. But they have no idea how to use them. Just hang them on a wall. And they'll come to churches looking for more prophecies when they haven't lived out the ones they've already gotten. Oh God, I need a word, and the words, and the, and God sitting in heaven saying, "Why? All you're going to do is hang it on your wall, just another trophy." Well, listen, how God speaks to me. I don't know, but I think God's tired of speaking to some of you. Get your fingers out of your ears. So. Paul is speaking to Timothy and giving him advice about people who have never learned how to bridle their tongue. And they've never learned the power, negative or positive, about the things that come out of their mouth. I don't know. This message is probably not You're probably not going to shout much. If you came for a shout, you missed it. That was earlier. 
But <laughs> there, is, there is tremendous power to either build up or to tear down. And it's really time, church, that we understand the power of both. And it's time that we figure this thing out. So Paul talks to Timothy in chapter 5 now. We're going to go over the, 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 other, the other chapters were basically about elders and deacons and so on and so forth. Do we have the scripture? 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13, verse 15. And he says, those widows who go around from house to house as busybodies are only learning to be lazy. I think we see a lot of that in our culture. By the way, let me, let me just stop because now all the widows are offended. I want you to, we have a tremendous widows ministry in this church. I think, I think it's like 40 or more. Sister Sandra does such a great job. Just, just the older widows. None of you ladies are old, but I, I don't know what to say. Um, but in the early church, a, being there were a lot of widows. I mean a lot, and it's because of the wars that men had to fight in. So a lot of men were dying, and a lot of men were you know busy in the Roman Empire, and a lot of men just died early. And there are a lot of widows, and there's no Social Security, and there's no, there's no family to take care of them, and they're just living out on the streets. And it's a real problem. Why don't you understand that? So the church was really taxed with this problem. How do we take care of people that really it's, it's almost impossible for them to find employment? There's no safety net. And they began to take care of them. But then you also had young widows who, who were able to work and do things, but they started living off the dole. Then Can I get a witness? So they had the same problem. And I'm not here to preach about these women but I want to I preach about what they were doing because it applies to men as well. It applies to a lot of people, so don't get hung up on the widow thing. Those widows who go from house to house as busybodies are only learning to be lazy, making their situation even worse by talking too much. How many know you can talk yourself into trouble? I don't know. Some people have that personality that the more nervous or upset they are, the more they talk. And if you're that kind of person, shut up. Because sometimes, you know, you just keep digging deeper. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Gossiping. By the way, gossip isn't just when you tell untruths. It's when you say things that hurt people that may be even be true. I told you you wouldn't shout. And speaking things they shouldn't. There's a, there's, there's a progression here I'll get to in a minute. They become far too obsessed with empty things that will not bear good fruit. Idle words. Say idle words. For there all are, there are already those who have begun to turn aside from their faith and are influenced by Satan. Jesus, help us in this place. So there's a progression here of being idle. Say idle. 
And then it seems like in, in the King James it says they're, they're tattletales. So they go from idle to being tattlers. Right? And then they go from that to being busybodies. And a busybody is a tattler with intent. Is a tattler who now has become busy. It becomes the main thing you do. Your phone ministry is really just gossip. And then the final thing is speaking what you shouldn't speak. Because you get to the point where you start tearing down. The word, the definition for idle here in the dictionary from the, from the Greek understanding is words that are inactive, barren, unemployed, lazy, useless speech. I don't know, every once in a while, you know, people don't get on the phone as much as they used to, but they still like the text messages. <laughs> Some people say introverts don't like people. No, they're just choosy about who they like. That's, I think that's what it is. Now, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, there's a time for fellowship and small talk, just getting to know people. And then there's a time where you're just really wasting time and being shallow. And talking and, and putting, putting conversations out there because you don't want to talk about what you really need to be talking about. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lazy, useless speech. Are you still here? Let's look at some of the scriptures. Jesus, even Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. And he says, you can be sure of this when the day of judgment. You can be sure of this. Uh huh. When the day of, day of judgment comes, everyone, will you, will you please just take your finger, point at your head, and say, That's me. No, do it. That's me. Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Wow. Your very words will be used as evidence against you. And your words will declare you either innocent or guilty. The altars are now open <laughs> for repentance. I like Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to let the word preach. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Uh, let's do the New King James, and then we'll go back to the, to the Passion let no corrupt, say corrupt. A corrupt word. What is corrupt? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean uh, wrong or evil. By corrupt, it means it's a word that's tearing something down. What does it mean for something to corrode? So, so some words have a corroding influence on us. Have you ever had this happen to you where someone says something to you and you can't get it out of your head? Uh, anybody? And, and it, just, it just haunts you. You go to bed at night, and of course, they've forgotten all about it. They're, they've moved on, but you just keep dwelling on it, and it just keeps eating at you, and it, and it bugs you, and it, 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 then all of a sudden, you start getting depressed, and you start believing it, and, and you don't know, ah, yeah, and you want to just go. And 
Go talk to that guy. Why did you say that? Again, they, have, they, they, don't even, they don't even know what they said. All they did was plant that corruption in you and went their way. I know that's happened to you, but I wonder how many times it's happened to those we have spoken to, and, and we don't even know it. Yeah, it's getting, getting serious in the house now. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace, that your words might impart a gift. I wonder how many times we could say when we speak, we're giving someone a gift. <laughs> of course, you never know what's wrapped up in there. You never know. Uh, I think that's the problem. Uh, we're giving them something. Listen, every time you speak, you're giving them something. But let's get to the place where we can actually walk away from a conversation and say, God, I pray that I've gifted them with something. I've helped them. Even, even if you have to, even, even when you have to confront somebody, Lord, I pray that this confrontation will end up for their good. Come on. Let's look at this and, and the next couple of verses in the Passion Translation. He says, never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Verse 30, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. Do you realize you have not yet experienced your full salvation? There's a difference between being saved and walking in the fullness of your salvation. Hello? So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words. You know, we, we old timers used to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. And the only time that came up is when there's a worship service going on and the preacher cut it short. Oh, he's grieving the Spirit. <laughs> Do you understand you can grieve the Spirit outside the four walls of this church? And it's not just about preachers not doing what they should do in a, in a worship service. Oh, Jesus. I should just drop the mic and go home. <laughs> yeah, you can grieve the Spirit by the things you say. Uh, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, insults. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Put your hands together, praise the Lord. I think that's a great scripture. Yes. Hallelujah. So we're either building up and edifying, becoming gifts to people, or we're saying things that have a corrupting influence that are tearing down. So Paul goes, goes on to describe these people. Let's go over to chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. I might, I might teach more than preach today. You're okay out there? But, but if anyone spreads false teaching, 
that does not agree with the healthy instruction of our Lord. You see, sometimes, sometimes it's just not saying hurtful things. Sometimes then it gets to the next level. And the next level is saying not just hurtful things, but saying things that are, that are incorrect and wrong and a false teaching that will lead someone astray. So that, that's, that's where Paul's getting to now. He said a false teaching that does not agree with the healthy instruction of our Lord Jesus. Teaching others that holy awe of God is not important. Wow. Then they prove they know nothing at all. It's obvious they don't have value. They don't value or hold dear the healing words of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are covered with the clouds of conceit. They are loaded with controversy. Uh And they love to argue their opinions and split hairs. The fruit of their ministry is contention, competition, and evil suspicions. Preach it, Paul. Hallelujah. They add misery to many lives by corrupting their minds and cheating them of the truth. They equate equate the worship of God with making great sums of money. I've been wondering where my jet is. We have a prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, that is greater than theirs. This, This is more than us accumulating things. But we have a prophet that is greater than theirs, our holy awe of God. To have merely our necessities is to have enough. We need more amens than that. Now, I'm just going to let the word preach, okay? Because James really has the final word on this, doesn't he? I'll get to something positive here in a minute. (laughs) James chapter 3. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet, if we're able to bridle the words, we say we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. No church will reach a place of maturity, and no member will reach a place of maturity until they know how to bridle their tongue. Kind of weak. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. It's amazing how you could turn a ship with just a little wheel. But listen, so is the tongue, is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how small a flame, how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. Wow. And the tongue is a fire. Sometimes that fire is needed to clear out underbrush. (laughs) 
that's a whole different thing. But, but sometimes it's just an uncontrolled fire. I'm thinking about those California fires wiping out hundreds of homes. What an just amazing thing what that fire did. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. Wow. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. Preach it, James. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on the earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land, have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. Yeah, we've done it all. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. We can send men to the moon, but we can't control our tongue. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. My God, James, back up. We use our tongue to praise God, our Father, and then turn around and curse a person who was made in His very image. Wow. Wow. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. And, you know, he goes on to say, if you plant an apple tree, you're supposed to get apples. But it seems like we claim to be Christians, but what comes out of our mouth isn't always all that Christ-like. Oh, Jesus, can we get a witness in the house? He's saying, really this is good news, because what he's saying is there is goodness in you. Christ Jesus lives in you. There is the potential for help and grace and gifts and wonderful things and helpful things, healing words to come out of your mouth. That's what's supposed to come out of your mouth if you'll just allow the Holy Spirit. Stop grieving the Spirit. You grieve the Spirit when you allow things to come out of you that aren't even supposed to be in you. What is that in you? And and for a lot of us, we never see it until we get under pressure. It's amazing what comes out when we get squeezed. Put a hammer to the thumb, and all of a sudden, you become a different creation. And that just tells you there's something else living in there that's supposed to be, you're supposed to kill that. (laughs) You're not killing it. Some of us are feeding it, letting it thrive. Can you give James a big amen? But here's the good news, and I'll shut up. We'll go to the house. Proverbs 18. And let's read the whole context here, and let's read it in the Passion Translation so we get it. Just get it. The reason I do the Passion a lot lately is because most of us have read the King James Version, and we have heard it one way, and it's just good to hear it another way. Are you okay with that? I'm not saying it's better or that's what you should read. You know, uh, let's not get into that. Okay, Proverbs 18. And verse 19, he said, it is easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Right? See, some of you know where we're going with this, but you never read the verses before it to understand the context. Their walls go up. You see, when someone feels like they're under attack, they put up walls. Hello? And that's why they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to be around you. Because they feel like they're being attacked, right or wrong. 
Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. Verse 20 says, sharing words of wisdom is satisfying to your inner being. It encourages you to know that you've changed someone else's life. Amen. And then he says in verse 21, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Wow. And then he says, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. I'm tempted to read on because it talks about a man finding a wife, but I'll just leave that alone. (laughs) Amen. No, it's a good scripture. It's a good scripture. Your words are so powerful. Sometimes it's just a smile or a hug. So powerful that you can change a life. Someone walking through the door, someone coming to the altar, someone sitting next to you in the pew, somebody at Walmart, someone sitting in the dentist office. Let's be more sensitive to what's going on around us. Quit being occupied with you. And just start being occupied with everyone else. And let's not speak idle words. Music team, worship team, come on. But let's speak words. Let's let's give serious thought to what we say from now on. You know, we're in a 21-day fast. Hello, 21-dayers. Are you out there? Are, Are you shaking? Are you okay? Might have to carry some of you out, but... You're only a week in. You've got two weeks left. 21-day fast. And, and the, worst, the worst of us are those who fast at Facebook. But anyway, you need to develop a plan and give serious thought to what you say, who you speak to, and how you say it. Because you are a gift to your family, to those around you. You might be the only Christian at work. Quit talking about how bad that is. And start talking about how you have an opportunity to change lives. He said, but it's so dark where I work. Well, praise God, you don't need much light then. Just a little flicker will get you noticed. Let's, Let's be a light. Let's be a voice. You know, Zechariah, God actually shut his mouth because he wouldn't agree with the calling on his life. Whenever you don't agree with what God's doing in your life, sometimes I think he just takes your voice away. You don't know what to say anymore. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle things. And and, And God's simply saying, listen, you need to start agreeing with the calling on your life. And you start agreeing and understanding the gift in your life. Am I back to positive? Are you okay? We need to get to that place where we're, we're giving back, making a difference in someone's, oh, I feel God in this place. But like I said, the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning. He made it very clear that this church probably isn't for everybody. But we, we've been put on a mission to get to that place of maturity, to be an army for Him, to be radical. God's lighting a different light here. And it's not about me. It's about you. 
And God is firing you up. God's giving you another chance. God's giving you a new direction. He's, te- he's putting words in your mouth that can come that can change life. I'm telling you, the power is in you. Life and death are in the tongue. Give him praise this morning. <laughs>